0: from the ages of 16 to 29. I lost 263 grand.
1: And When you found out about that, how did that make you feel?
0: Shocked, firstly, because I had no idea it'd be over a quarter of a million pound. It was difficult, mate, but it was a bit of a wake up call. The one thing I wanted to do with Against the Odds, use my lived experience to impact young people.
1: Welcome to this week's episode of 22 Minutes. And today I am joined by Aaron Abbott. And Aaron is the founder of Against All Odds, um, which for those that don't know, is a gambling awareness and education platform. Um, Aaron, welcome to the episode. Hello. Um Aaron, do you want to just give us a, a bit of an insight as to you know your journey um as to where you are today?
0: Yeah, from the from a business perspective or gambling. Both, both, yeah. So gambling. I left school, went straight to college, went to Coventry College. So at 16, two mates said to me, Come in the bookies. I've never been in the bookies before in my life. Walked into I think it was Champion that used to be by City College. Put fiver in the roulette, lost it straight away. And just remember going in a mood and thinking, hang on a minute, no one showed me how to play this machine. I shouldn't even be here, being here. I'm two years younger than the legal age. And as I'm leaving the bookies, I've seen a load of old blokes filling out accumulators. Um so I look remember looking over one of their shoulders, watching what they were doing, home draw away, etc. Took some of the slips home and then from there. Started betting every week on football, a couple of quid on accumulators, and then things gradually got worse, probably as I went to university. Normally, the transition from further education to higher education sees more finances, more freedom, because yeah. you're student loan, you tend to move away. And when I was getting student loan and maintenance grants and things like that, I'd start to gamble with it, and I'd start to move away and navigate away from football, which I was knowledgeable about, because I always played FIFA, bought Football Manager, um, was the season to get older at Villa, um, and started betting on Kenyan police force against Nairobi, Fernabachi's volleyball team. Um,
1: so anything you could bet on, you anything could bet on. I could bet on, mate. Yeah. yeah. And what was the? I mean, at that kind of age, what was the catalyst to keep doing it? Was it? Was it winning, losing? What? What? What was the catalyst that I need to do this again?
0: Uh, I had my first win off two pound. I won four and a half grand when I was eighteen, and back then you, this is before betting was online. You'd go to the bookies and they'd either say, right, there you go or there's not enough in the safe, come back tomorrow. And at 18, I remember collecting four and a half grand, just over four and a half grand, they give me in a brown envelope and it sounds ridiculous, but I almost felt like a bit of a, bit of a big man walking around with a load of cash on me at that age, mm-hmm. um, within two months. of so that was all back into the bookies, lost it all, but that initial win at 18, winning four and a half grand, which would have took me four or five months in a part time, in my part time job to earn that give me sort of this false value of money, to be honest with you. And the buzz of them placing a bet after that win was what I was chasing constantly. Um, So I'd say a big win early on was probably the catalyst to me betting more and more and more. Um, But then as I got older, my stakes increased, started to bet on less things, um, using different logics to try and win money. And uh, yeah, it it didn't go very well. Um, But yeah, the catalyst I think was probably that early win getting the cash and thinking, hang on a minute, how easy if I've just hit 10 teams on an accumulator off two quid, one, over four and a half grand, mm. I'll do that every couple of months, I don't even need to work. And that was the mentality I had, um, which in retrospect is ridiculous, but as a young, young guy, don't mean to skip past and jump straight into Against the Odds, but the one thing I wanted to do with Against the Odds after discovering how much money I'd lost was use my lived experience to impact young people. Yeah. So I played good level cricket, as you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, good level rugby, went to university, studied sport, college studied sport. Never did anyone come in and talk to me about the gambling industry. And I'm not sort of saying that's why I went down the road I did, because I could have still gone down that road regardless. But I wanted to try and give something back to the younger people within sports clubs and, and educational organisations to say you can quickly transition from social gambling, like a high percentage of the population yeah. um, and show them how quickly it can transition into a problem, to be completely honest.
1: So how did it turn from a, yourself being a gambler to yeah. a business? How, what, what was the kind of transition from that point?
0: It was just before the start of lockdown. Um, I got in touch with a company that was specialists in data and um, And they said, you know, you can approach all the bookmakers and find out how much money you've actually lost. Uh, So I did that. Uh, And obviously as a gambling addict, when you're setting up an account and you have to fill out security questions, what's your cat called? John, didn't even have a cat, just filling out answers. So bookie started to come back to me and say, unless you know the answers to your security questions, we can't send you your data. But after six months it come back and I'd lost 263 grand from the ages of 16 to 29. I thought it might've been around 100K, I had no idea but i would earned good money over a 10 year spell.
1: So that's how, so that's how much you've lost. That's net how much you've lost. That's so net did, how, much how, much, lost. how much did you spend? Did, did
0: don't they, they, no, they, they don't tell don't, you that. They, they haven't given me
1: that figure. No. no, no. Do you think you spent more than you lost?
0: Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, probably mate. Um, again, it's even though it's your own information, it's very
1: difficult to obtain off them. They make it very hard. Yeah. Um, and but, When you found out about that, how did that make you feel?
0: shocked firstly because I had no idea it'd be over a quarter of a million pound um so yeah it was it was difficult mate but it was a bit of a wake-up call I think I was 28 29 when I found that information out um and then you sort of cast your eye back and think from my 20s to 30s I haven't particularly got great fond memories due to gambling because it absorbs pretty much all of my time yeah um But it was was a huge wake-up call around the same sort of time that I discovered how much money I'd lost. I remember coming across an article in The Telegraph, which was about a guy called Jack Ritchie, who unfortunately went over to Thailand. I think he was in Thailand and commit suicide from from gambling. And taking out the suicidal elements of the article, everything I read about with Jack was similar to myself. So I think it was a combination of reading that article and thinking, is this the way things are going for me if I carry on? finding out how much money I'd lost was a bit of a wake up call to say, come on, get, you need to do something about this now.
1: Did um, it affect your day job in any way?
0: Yeah. 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 No, um, not so much in with the company I'm with now, because although I'm with Against the Odds, I still work for a recruiting yeah. company on a part
1: time basis till April. Yeah. But I suppose at the time when you were younger. At
0: the time, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd miss, I was given a few warnings for um, conduct and punctuality, where I'd be in the casinos gambling instead of being at work um so yeah it did affect my day job but i was quite good at hiding that there was only a few times where i didn't go to work and i'd be gambling is um, it a
1: case of um forgive my naivety but obviously we hear a lot of you know professional athletes that get paid well yeah and quite often go down that route of of gambling um for for, for young kids and and you know perhaps that haven't got that money, that disposable income do, 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 did you, or do they borrow money to gamble or is it just gamble whatever they have?
0: Payday loans. So when you start for me, I mean, firstly, regardless of how much you're earning, whether you're on 12 grand a year, or Ivan Tony's case, you're on 1.1 million quid a year. As an addict, you gamble what you can afford. Whereas like I said, if I've got 12 grand, if I'm coming out with 12 grand a year, I'm betting whatever I'm getting that month. If I'm losing that, I'm then looking at payday loans. And things like that.
1: And that's to help the living, not necessarily the gambling.
0: A bit of both, to be honest with you, mate. Uh, Up until maybe three or four years ago, you could gamble on credit card. Yeah. That's only just recently been stopped. I think maybe two or three years ago, sorry. Um, And you sort of find ways to, you're borrowing money off people, you're lying to people. The addiction just completely absorbs all your time and you sort of forget about your mates and you, you forget about your family and things like that. You're just thinking about, where's my next... 50 quid coming from so I can get a bet on because you constantly want that does it? would you bet. say
1: would you say it helps you enjoy the, the, the let's say you're betting on a sporting event a football yeah. match Premier League football match does it make you enjoy that no football match more
0: no. no less less because you've got something riding on it
1: so it's not an enjoyment of sport that you do it
0: no no, I love sport. Like like we said off air, um, I listen to talk sport every day. Massive sports fan. And that's probably another reason I'm passionate about against the odds and trying to get into the elite sporting market. Uh, but it certainly doesn't enhance the experience of watching sport. If anything, it makes things worse um, because you've got a bet, a bet on the line. So the amount of times I used to bet Villa because I was a Villa fan and then Villa would draw and it might, we might draw against Man United and, as a Villa fan, I'd be delighted with that point, but as a gambler, I'm thinking. Yeah. So it never, ever enhanced any sporting event that I watched when I had a bet on it. It made mm. things worse.
1: The fascinating thing for me, I'd listen to talk sport as well, religiously, and you know they're often getting people from the gambling sites or whatever it is yeah. on, on there. You can literally bet against any like anything nowadays, can't you? Mm-hmm. Like, with football, it's like by the minute, by the corners, by the foul, it, Anything you can bet against, can't you? Anything. Especially on those accumulators, it's just bonkers what you can
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's crazy, mate. But there's there's lots of things that people don't know. So there was a thing on ITV not long ago called Britain's Betting Boom. It was a half an hour documentary, and that basically looked at winning and losing customers and gambling algorithms. So if you win, lose five if you win if you lose five bets in a row, an algorithm will create on the gambling side we will create something to the customer where it sends you double the marketing. So instead of two text messages, you'll get four. Instead of three emails, you'll get six in a week. Wow. And you'll also get a bigger free bet than you normally get because you're losing your class as a VIP customer to the industry. The industry want you to keep losing, keep losing, keep losing until you've got nothing left on the so flip that, of So they're
1: preying on the most vulnerable.
0: Yeah. I mean, 80% of online revenue last year was from 15% of customers. And then 15% of customers were problem gamblers. Now, People don't like using the term problem gamblers because it insinuates they have a problem. So, or gambling related harm, I should say. But if you look at the flip side of the coin, if you win five bets in a row, and you go and put 50 quid on a bet, it will now tell you that your maximum stake's 12 pound 30. You can't bet what you wanted to bet. If you go and cash out, chances are your cash out's been taken away. If you go and bet in play, you haven't got anywhere near as many options as when you're losing. So with the winning customers, it's very much, they're winning too much, see you later. But with your losing customers, it's very much, they're a VIP customer. us. So let's maintain them, let's send double the marketing. Let's give them free bets. We want them to keep losing. So there's loads of different things yeah. like that that people don't know. And again, that's why I went into this educational well, side of
1: it. Yeah. And it goes on to the next question, really, you you're, obviously, you can see the passion ooze out of you in terms of the education side and, yeah. and in your, in your kind of story, you've, you've turned a pain into yeah. a passion. Yeah. Um. how important is education in gambling in this environment today?
0: it's the best way of looking at it is cigarettes and alcohol used to be advertised all the time. Then it got moved to after nine o'clock to take cigarettes or to drink alcohol. You need to be over 18 to gamble in this country. Legally, you need to be over 18. However, the advertising like you've just alluded to talk sport. I drove to Sheffield and did some work at Hillsborough yesterday. I had talk sport on in the car, at half seven in the morning and they're advertising scratch cards. And there's a woman that comes on and says, oh, what we do is we, put, we make Christmas crackers from home and we all put scratch cards in them. And the problem with gambling over the last 10, 15 years, it's becoming normalized. Yeah. So young people are growing up and they're thinking it's fine to gamble, not a problem. You go to a football match and you see sponsors on the front of shirts, you've got gambling sponsors around the stadium, Stokes Ground, the Bet365 Stadium. Yeah. So it's everywhere now, yeah. absolutely everywhere. For me, in my normal working day, Um, I have to walk past two bookies to get to the gym. I listen to talk sport all day because I work from home. Constantly reminded of odds. You go on social media and you'll see a paid advertisement for William Hill. You go on YouTube and you'll see another advert for betting. You then watch the football at night and you're surrounded by gambling. So you can't get away with it. And I used to say, I've done a few of these interviews now, and I used to say when I first started out, I'm a former gambling addict. I'm not a former gambling addict. I'm a recovering gambling addict. So I still think about betting. It's everywhere. I can't get away from it. So a long answer to your question, mate, sorry. Um, no, it's fa-
1: no, it's fascinating. I, th- I think... in,
0: in terms of the education, the education is huge. It's absolutely massive because as I said, I never had anyone come and educate me. And the important thing for me to get across is when I'm going and deliver to students, I'm not going in there and saying, don't gamble. Because if you do that to a 16, 24 year old, they're going go to go and gamble. I'll go in there and say, listen, it's completely your decision, but you need to know how to spot the signs if you're transitioning from a social gambler to a problem gambler, because for me, it went like that.
1: So do you think that people shouldn't even social gamble? gamble? do you think, do you think it, there should be like a, you shouldn't even get involved in it or do you think there is a healthy way to? I, to don't,
0: I don't want to say there should be no gambling. I mean, if you look across the world, I think gambling's banned in 42 countries. Is it really? Yeah. Yeah. You can't, if you, if you gamble in Japan, I think you can possibly be sent to prison. Uh, And that's the same case in a number of different countries throughout the, throughout the world. I don't say, I don't want to say you can't gamble in this country or we shouldn't gamble because I think 47% of British residents gamble weekly. That's including the national lottery. If you can gamble socially and by social gambling, I mean, if you put a 10 pound accumulator on at the weekend and that loses and you don't feel the urge to put a bet on straight away, or you've got a, a treble on on a Saturday and the early kickoff lets you down and straight away you think, oh, I need to put another bet on. Social gambling is fine. It's when you start to realize that, hang on a minute, my stakes have increased. I'm gambling more than I normally gamble. I'm telling people about my wins, but not necessarily the losses. When you start to see some of these, these signs of gambling harm, it's just good for people to know, right, now you probably need to speak to someone or you need to talk about it. opposed yeah. to thinking this is normal. Yeah. And a lot of people now think it's yeah. normal. If my early kickoff loses, I'll put another bet on and it's,
1: that's not normal. Is there education at a higher level that needs to be developed so that these things stop happening? Well,
0: I think so. Yeah, we, I did a a session looking at gambling advertisement this week with a group and we looked at three gambling adverts and three drink driving adverts. Now if you watch a, a typical gambling advert, there's always an element of comedy in there and the only reference to any gambling harm is right at the end of the advert in a yellow block across the bottom when the fun stops stop Now, if i think back to when i was an addict that would have done absolutely nothing for me when the fun stops stop if you look at a drink driving advert you've got impact in it straight away because it will i don't know if you remember the think adverts where there's the guy at the bar talking and then he says well how many are you going to have or there's the one where it shows him dying and he comes back to life and then they hit you with a slogan right at the end That's quite impactful now gambling. Yes. A lot of people do it socially for fun, but when last year we lost over 400 people to gambling related suicide in the UK, more than any other addiction, more than drug addiction or alcohol addiction, when gambling addiction is the top of the charts in terms of suicide, we need to ensure that in this advertising, something is telling people, well, hang on a minute. The numbers are increasing every year and people are killing themselves because of gambling because they're addicted to gambling and that doesn't come across in any of the adverts. Mm. So for me, there's a lot of work to do in the educational side. This is an industry last year in the UK that turned over 15 billion quid. They spent 1.5 billion on advertising in the UK last year. They've got the budgets to be able to put together the correct right. adverts for young people, but we're just not seeing it at the minute.
1: And that's why as you, as you alluded to, you know, your, your big teams, your big events are all sponsored by these Yeah. because if they're not doing it, yeah. who else is going to exactly. pay that sort of money?
0: Every Premier League club's got a gambling partner. Every league has a gambling partnership, whether you're the NHL, the hockey, the baseball, the football, the darts, even volleyball. The Volleyball Nations League teamed up with stake.com. It's just, it's just crazy, mate. It's, it's ridiculous.
1: Was business ever on the agenda for you in terms of running your own business and you know turning it into a business that supports people?
0: Uh, if I'm honest, no, probably not. The The whole reason I set Against the Odds Up was to to help me stop gambling initially. I thought to myself, well, if I can use my lived experience to go and impact young people, then that's hopefully going to help me stop gambling. But I'd know, I, I thought it'd be something in my evenings and weekends that I'd do as a sort of a spare time. I didn't yeah. think I'd get paid for it. So no, it was never on the cards, to be completely honest. But... I think once I've gone, I went out and did five sessions for free to get some feedback and the feedback was great. I had a few students message me to say, excellent. Staff got in touch and said, it's really good. Can you come back? Um, And then I sort of reflected on on my time gambling and thought there's so many young people out there. I've had so many messages on Instagram from 16 to 24 year olds to say they think they're gambling too much. And if I rewind back to when I was sort of at rock bottom, I was throwing laptops against the wall. I was punching myself in the face. I was pulling my hair out. I smashed a roulette up in one of the bookies. I smashed a bus stop up. And this all come from not talking. I never spoke about it. Mm-hmm. By the time I was 21, I'd already lost 20 grand. And I tell students now, my biggest regret is not the money I lost, but it was not opening up to my mom and saying, mom, I'm in trouble. But back then if you said to someone, I'm a gambling addict. They'd say to you, well, stop gambling. Yeah, it wasn't looked yeah, at as the not- addiction it is
1: today. The students that you educate do you give them a chance to come to you and speak on a one-to-one level yeah you know, so, can they do that and so you become then their mentor in essence
0: well i'm I'm, <coughs> I'm piloting something at the minute with two academy players in the championship that have got gambling problems so i'll work with them every two weeks on a remote basis in terms of sort of mainstream students from colleges and different schools etc and community programs um, at the end of every session i'll say any questions now, you'll have two or three hands go up with the same questions every time, pretty much. But I also then say to people, this is my Instagram account. My DMs are always open. Whether it's yourself or it's a friend or a family or a loved one, et cetera, if there is some sort of gambling-related harm in your life, and you obviously you're not going to want to discuss that in front of a group of 30, yeah. I tell everyone to drop me, a, drop me a DM and I'll get back to everyone.
1: Wow.
0: Um And I've had hundreds, mate. Hundreds since January. And you reply from, to everyone. I reply to everyone. Now, from single parents that have got two or three kids that are going into the bookies now because of the cost of living crisis to try and win money or going on the slot machines to try and win money for food shops and Christmas presents, to students and apprentices that are in the automotive construction engineering sector because they've gone into that sector of work. And again, gambling is normalized. People are finishing at three o'clock going straight to the bookies. And these apprentices are young kids are just going with them. And then that becomes their normality as well. So yeah, i try and get back to, in fact, I do get back to everyone. Um, But obviously it's, I'm a one man band at the minute and I'm doing the marketing, I'm doing the delivery, I'm doing everything, but I encourage everybody to drop me a message if I can,
1: if I can help in any way. What does success look like for you in terms of your growth over the next five, 10 years?
0: I think firstly is going full time with the business in April. So for me, I had to, I've done recruitment for the last 12 years of my life. It's all I've ever done. It's the only real job I've had since leaving university. Um, And I've been successful at that as well. So for me, it's going full time with the business, um, establishing a client network that I can be working with every year, um, which is why being in the education sector is good, because you're going to have students leave every year and new students come through. Um, But the support side for me and growing out the sort of elite sport academies is the main thing. So I've got um, one of my best friends, actually, is we're going away on Saturday for his two years sobriety and no alcohol, and no cocaine. So he's been through rehab and he's one of the non-executive directors for for Against the Odds. Um, and he is currently going through like his support qualifications and things like that. And the plan is that he will hopefully come along with Against the Odds wow. and be able to run the support provision. Whether that is a 16 year old that's at Coventry College or a 21 year old that's playing in the Premier League, we want to grow that support bit out um, and ensure we're able to, we're in a position to be able to support everyone that comes comes to comes through the
1: social channels or gets in contact with us. Really, what what you're doing is incredible. You've you've turned what was an addiction into. Yeah. You're making people and the world a better place. I think it's incredible what you're doing. Thank you. It's inspiring uh, for those listening and for those listening. Can you share some of your um social, so that if someone does want to get in touch with you, that they're able to? Yeah. So the,
0: I think the Instagram is againsttheodds.uk. So if if there is anyone out there that thinks my son is potentially got a gambling problem or I've got a gambling problem or someone they know is struggling with their gambling, then drop me a DM on against the odds. Um, and I'll come back to everyone. And if it's not me offering you that one-to-one support, then I'll put you in the right direction for people to speak to or organizations that can support.
1: Fantastic. And hopefully we're going to hear a lot more from, from you and the business moving forward and, yes. and taking on the, the country and the world by storm. That's in the plan, the mate. Education. That's the plan. Um, fantastic. Well, thanks, for Aaron. We're just going to go into a little feature, which we call LinkedIn Linked Out. So this yeah. is just a couple of statements and just uh, you say which one relates to you the most. Okay. So we'll give this a go. So, yeah. Sales pitch or on the pitch?
0: Sales pitch now.
1: Tea or coffee? Coffee. Zoom or in the room? In the room, 100%. Pause or rewind time?
0: Oh, good question. I would say rewind time.
1: Keynote speech or on the beach?
0: My missus would kill me if I say keynote speech, but I'm going to say on the beach just because she'll listen to this and think,
1: what? (laughs) Solo uh, solo dream or thriving team? Do you know what, mate? Thriving team. Email or voice note? Voice note. Higher salary or more holiday? Who's put these questions together? These are hard. Uh, More holidays. Podcast or music on full blast?
0: Last two years, podcast now. Wow. I love a podcast, now I do.
1: Podcasts, uh, they're taking over the they world. They are, mate, yeah. <laughs> well, Aaron, it's been amazing to have you on. Your story is so inspiring. And Top hopefully love. there's a lot that people can learn from this and get in touch with you if they need to. So thank thank you for joining. Thanks for having me, mate. And Appreciate it. look forward to seeing more from you in the future. Brilliant.
0: Cheers. Thank you. Excellent.